the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining us. This is uh, Let Us Reason. I'm your host, Al Fadi, and uh, it's really exciting uh, to uh, continue uh, basically uh, with our um, series that we are doing about the unknown history of Islam. And uh, we've been receiving a lot of uh, wonderful feedback uh, from uh, many of you. And also, remember, uh, this is the podcast about the unknown history of Islam is intended to be a companion for the newly released uh, videos on the same topic, uh, which was a combination of myself and Dr. J. Smith. And most of the material, by the way, that I'm sharing here from come from his own uh, basically material. So I am ba- adding my own research and my own commentary. So I want to give my brother a credit here for the wonderful work that he's doing as well. So the two of us, me and him, uh, met recently, and we did uh, about 24 uh, different videos, including Facebook Live. Uh, We talked about three primary topics. The first one was the unknown history of Islam, or a critical analysis of the traditional or classical history of Islam. And this is the one I'm going through right now in my podcast as a companion for that video, giving you more insights, more in-depth analysis, since the videos didn't allow us to do a whole lot of that. The second series that we did, him and I, has to do with the Quran and and its many problems, whether external problems, internal problems, uh, manuscript problems, you name it, uh, variant text readings problems. So I'll be doing another podcast as a companion for that as well. And finally, we did uh, a video series on uh, slavery on Islam, and uh, we uh, basically did a few videos on that topic. And I'll I'll be doing exactly the same thing uh, in my podcast. I'll do another companion for you to give you more insights And therefore, hopefully, you'll find both uh, to be helpful. Of course, uh, you may be wondering, uh, how can I access uh, either the videos or the podcast? Uh, You can always ask, uh, access the uh, archived uh, podcast in our website, www.sirainternational.com. And uh, Sira, by the way, is with a C as in Charlie, C-I-R-A international.com. You can also, uh, and and in there, once you get there, you'll find a section for Let Us Reason. When you click on that, you will see all of the previous shows in there from the first season all the way until now. Uh, Another way you can access the podcast is through soundcloud.com and search for Let Us Reason. 
And uh, the other way is through YouTube. Some of these uh, shows or podcast shows have been already streaming on YouTube. We're working on converting all of them, but that will take time, efforts, and money. So we encourage you really to subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is Sierra International. And in there, you can become a Patreon patron. And in doing so, Uh, Maybe the Lord will put on your heart to support this ministry and the efforts that we're doing in terms of building these videos and podcasts. You can really support us with as little as $1 and as much as the Lord put on your heart. I have a number of people who are taking advantage of that as well. And uh, another way, of course, to access the videos is through YouTube as well. You can go to uh, YouTube.com and look for Sira International. That's my channel. And in there, you'll see previous videos and the new videos that we'll release in, uh, which is uh, myself and Dr. J. Smith. We typically release these videos one at at a time, uh, typically once a week. And uh, so it will take a few weeks before all of them have been released. And at the same time, uh, we uh, encourage you, of course, to... um, uh, uh, to go to our Facebook pages. I have ministry pages and I have my private also personal page. My personal page is alfadi.sira. Again, Sira is with a C as in Charlie, C-I-R-A, alfadi.sira. And my uh, ministry page, my own ministry page is called The Alfadi. And the ministry Facebook page itself is called Sierra International. So Sierra has its own page that's called Sierra International. I have my own ministry page called The Al-Fadi. And then I have my own personal page, uh, which only allows a limited number of friends uh, to uh, uh, befriend me, uh, which I maxed out already. And that one is called Al-Fadi.Sierra. So hopefully you can access the videos and the pod- podcast through any of these memes. Now, we're going to continue today uh, with uh, the critical analyses of the classical account or the classical history of Islam or the traditional history of Islam. And what I mean by that is this. If you um, look at the Islamic sources, you get the impression that Islam started in the year 610 AD, that by 632, the prophet of Islam, his name is Muhammad, died, that in 622, he migrated from Mecca to Medina, that in the year 624 AD, uh, the Quran commanded the Muslims to stop facing Jerusalem in prayer, in their daily prayers, and turn around and start facing Mecca. And you have biography that is written about that. You have commentaries on the Quran that uh, give you impressions about things like this. You have the other historical accounts. But that's the traditional, the classical account. However, when we look at new discoveries, whether historical documents, uh, inscriptions, manuscripts, archaeology, you name it, really there is a whole different uh, uh, impression that uh, emerges. For instance, uh, we mentioned that the name Muhammad itself Uh, wasn't in existence, actually, um, until almost 690 AD. Uh, That the Quranic text didn't appear for the first time in an inscription uh, until 691 at the Dome of the Rock, and even that inscription has variation in it. It's not exactly 
uh, identical to what we have, for instance, chapter 112 in the Quran that we have in our hand today. And every time you hear me say the modern Quran or the current Quran, I am referring to the one that was sanctioned by Al-Azhar University in Cairo, is known as the Cairo edition or the standardized text. It was done in 1924. Granted, a couple of other editions were done after that. And finally, we get also the 1983 um, King Fahad Quran from Saudi Arabia. They're all based on the same thing. In other words, the Quran didn't become canonized formally until almost 1300 years later after its first revelation. That's why these things are damaging. And um, the word Islam doesn't appear until towards the end of the uh, 7th century. Uh, the word Muslims doesn't appear until the end of the 7th century. Uh, the war, Mecca itself didn't appear in any map until the middle of the 8th century. And it didn't appear on any uh, tr trade maps until the 9th century. That's what is being discovered. When you compare the discoveries to traditional accounts, we have a problem. And that's why we're titling this The Unknown History of Islam. So I talked already about the fact that it appears that during the reign of Abdul Malik Ibn Marwan, who happens to be the uh, one of the prominent caliph uh, caliphs during the uh, Umayyad dynasty, who basically serves for between... Uh, 685 until 705 AD. And during that reign, he basically began to uh, create, that's the theory, uh, create uh, basically the religion of Islam, make it, uh, make it a religion. Why? Because Muslims uh, or Arabs in this case were uh, the ruling party. They, they really stretched out their influence uh, to North Africa, modern-day Syria, southern parts of Turkey, modern-day Iraq, parts of Iran. And because of that, they were relying heavily on the Christians and the Jews who were there to work with them, to be uh, their emissaries, to be their secretaries, to be also their ministers uh, in different departments. But they began to realize that the Christians and the Jews really have a book. That's the Bible. They have their own prophets. They have their own revelation. And uh, Arabs don't have any of this. So uh, the theory is that uh, when you look at the dating and the timing of when these things began to emerge, meaning the name Muhammad, uh, a revelation called the Quran, uh, inscription talking about Muslims, they all line up with the reign of Abdul Malik. And we know that he also himself did um, instigate the idea of writing biography about the Prophet and collecting the Hadith and the start of the Sharia law and so on and so forth. So this is why we are trying to help you uh, examine these evidence by looking at our video, of course, looking at the slides and everything else and hearing this and go and investigate for yourself as well. You begin to realize that Muslims need to be aware of the fact that it is quite possible their entire religion is just a man-made thing that was invented at a later time. Not that I'm saying Islam is from God. Uh, whether Abdul Malik is behind it or not, Islam cannot be from Yahweh because Yahweh says that is it. It is finished. Basically, when the son died on the cross, he is the final revelation and no more prophets will to come. However, false prophets will arise. False religions are going to continue, and Satan is still at work. So we need to understand that I am not in any way trying to say if it wasn't for Abdul Malik, somehow Islam is still a divine revel uh, revelation. Absolutely not. Now, 
We talked about the invention of the man, the invention of the book, uh, and now we want to talk about the invention of the place. What do I mean by the place? That's a sanctuary. Uh, Where is your sanctuary, basically? I mean, okay, the Jews and the Christians, Jerusalem is a big deal for them. Uh, okay, uh, the Jews has the temple that was destroyed. Uh, the Christians, uh, that's the birthplace uh, of Christianity, and they come from a Jewish background. Uh, that's where the promised land is. That's where the history start, and that's where the history of Christianity will end. Now, uh, because the fact that Jerusalem was under the reign of the Arabs and Abdul Malik, uh, he definitely uh, wanted to have a place for worship. That's where we have now the Dome of the Rock that he built. It's the highest structure in there to even be higher than all of the other Jewish or Christian sanctuaries because it was a show of superiority. Now, during the reign of the Umayyad, the capital city for them was Damascus, but the sanctuary, uh, all indications point to Petra. That has a lot of sanctuaries, but the, there is a primary sanctuary in there that uh, recently uh, a discovery was made of a destroyed large sanctuary. So we're hoping that evidence from there indicate that that was the one. In the year, uh, basically, of 713 AD, an earthquake destroyed Petra. Okay? And uh, uh, the, the new place, basically, that was needed, uh, but later it was moved to Mecca, not by the Umayyads themselves, but through two sources. One is one of the former Umayyad followers. His name is Abdullah ibn Zubair, who rebelled against the Umayyad. And he took the black stone and went south. Uh, uh, Obviously, many believe he went to Mecca. That's why we have the black stone in there. He built the shrine or the shrine technically was there. He just added that to it and now became the new sanctuary. And he was supported also by the Abbasids, who existed in Kufa initially and until the overthrew the Umayyad dynasty in the year 750 AD. Then there was another rebel. His name is Al-Hajjaj, who also built his own mosque and really did not want actually to adhere to either one, to the Mecca sanctuary or to the Petra sanctuary. So now we can say... Remember when we went through the Qibla or the direction of prayer and we said there are four different categories. There were early mosques that faced Petra. Later we have mosques that face Mecca. Then we have mosques that were facing in between Petra and Mecca. And finally in North Africa we have mosques that were parallel to both Petra and Mecca. So here is what we think had happened. A possible scenario. Now that we have a group called Muslims with a prophet, his name is Muhammad, with a revelation called Quran, with a sanctuary called Mecca. And later also we have a seer or biography introduced in 833 AD, almost 200 years after the death of this supposed prophet. We have the Hadith, a collection of his own sayings, almost 240 years after his death, no eyewitness account. We have a grand history and tafsir also that introduced 300 years after uh, the life of this person or the religion and the start. We think maybe uh, this is what has transpired, but let me also ask some provocative questions. Why are there no Muslim sources for 200 years, for instance, if our theory is wrong? Why do the claims that Muslims make do not fit the historical record and the discoveries? Why are the geographical references so few and confusing? Why do they all seem to be much further north 
Even the geography of the Quran points to locations north, about 600 miles north of Mecca and Medina, instead of pointing to the surroundings of Mecca and Medina. Why are there so many references to vegetation to describe Mecca when in fact modern day Mecca doesn't fit that description, but Petra fits that perfectly? Why is Mecca not mentioned until 741 AD on any map? And was it included in any trade maps until 900 AD? So, in 741, it's mentioned now, uh, being referenced by writings and inscriptions, and in 900 AD, it appears now for the first time on maps. Why is Mecca not even on the international trade route? And why do all the Qiblas, the, basically the mosques that face uh, towards, uh, for prayer, I should say, the, the direction of prayer, why do early ones, the first hundred years of Islam, supposedly face Petra? And then there was a period of confusion in the next hundred year between Petra and Mecca. And finally, the direction was fixed uh, by 822 AD towards Mecca, 200 years later. And what is the role that Abdul Malik Ibn Marwan played in all of this? And how does this impact Islam as we know it? So, uh, since much of what we know uh, basically now about early Islam is in doubt, and since much of the Quran also is in doubt, and nothing is known, technically speaking, about this so-called Prophet Muhammad until the end of the 7th century, or even his town, Mecca, until early to mid-8th century, and his story himself and his biography until 9th century, all of this should be troubling. No eyewitness account survived by then. All of it is redacted backward to fit the uh, basically the traditional dates that were invented. And at the same time, can somebody conclude that all of this was redactions done by Abdul Malik since all of these new discoveries fit his reign between 685 until 705 AD? Now, all of this is possible because it looks uh, that the Muslims have the wrong man at the wrong place at the wrong, uh, basically, time and doing the wrong thing, technically speaking. When we compare this to Jesus, for instance, here is what we know about our Lord Jesus Christ. That we know where he was born, Bethlehem. We know where Jesus grew up, Nazareth. We know where Jesus died and when, in Jerusalem. We know what Jesus did in his last three years, earthly ministry. We know this all from eyewitness accounts, okay? We know this also very well from hostile accounts, even that didn't believe in him. Tacitus, for instance, Josephus, Thallus, you know, and the list can go on and on and on. We know when they were written, okay, between 15 AD and 60 AD, still within the time of the eyewitness accounts, okay? And we know that few doubt his historiosity, even those that doubt, believe, uh, I should say, don't believe in him, have a hard time doubting the historiosity of many of these biblical accounts. For us, then, we have the right man at the right place, doing the right thing at the right time. That's the big difference between the two. So, we must then confront Islam and its uh, fabricated history and its foundation. We must challenge the existence of Muhammad and the accuracy of the Quran and its reliability. We must also uh, demand 
the same of the Bible and our Jesus Christ, which many have done so and came out empty. And we must also bring both accounts, both challenges to the Christian account and to the Islamic account up front to the public sphere to for everyone to know and especially for our Muslim friends to be aware of all of this because similar historical questions have already been asked of Christianity and they have been answered over and over again. Now it's time for our Muslim friends to answer the same questions that their own basically history deals with. So uh, this is basically what we are uh, you know, dealing with. It seems that a religion has been invented and this religion called Islam and the invention of this religion was done by a caliph and his uh, uh, basically helpers uh, between 685 until 705 and went on from there. Even his son followed suit and we continue with those accounts from that point forward. The Abbasides added to that and so on and so forth. We, uh, it's obvious that there is a confusion about the direction of prayer, and that should be taken into account, the fact that why would Muslims be confused about the direction of prayer, and why do we have different categories of mosques who are facing different directions? All of this demands an answer. And we have basically the wrong book, because this book is a book of confusion, known as the Quran, has many contradictions in it, does not really stay consistent, and parts of it were written, basically, it appears on the manuscript by different scribes, and there are uh, ways that you can look at the early manuscript and you discover quickly that it doesn't match the modern 1924 Cairo edition, and the list can go on and on and on. This is why we wanted to bring all of these accounts uh, to uh, basically out into the light because we want to help our Muslim friends and those who are working with them and those who are even contemplating following Islam because of what they hear about Islam versus what they know about Islam. Our hope is that this series have been helpful to you in terms of challenging the unknown history of Islam because we would like for you not only to believe in anything we're saying, whether we have said it to you in our videos, me and Dr. J. Smith, or you go and you watch it on your own from our YouTube channel, our Facebook post, or his own channel, basically, uh, uh, the Ponder uh, Films. Or if you um, are listening to it in our podcast, we encourage all of you, especially if you're a Muslim, to go and investigate it for yourself because... It is extremely important that you make a decision for your for your eternity, a decision that can impact your relationship with God moving forward, a decision that can separate you for all of eternity from God. We would love for you to go and inspect these things. We are here to serve you in any way possible. You can always connect with me or my team through my uh, basically a website, www.sirainternational.com. You can comment on our Facebook, uh, basically, post at either my personal one, alfadi.sira, or my own ministry page known as The Alfadi, or my Sira ministry page known as Sira International. You can send me private messages if you want. I receive a lot of interactions from Muslims, by the way, who've been saying that their eyes have been opened up 
because of these things that we are sharing with them. This, by the way, concludes this particular part of the series about the unknown history of Islam and the challenge to its beginning using many of these external evidence and manuscript evidence and archaeology and everything else. We hope that you found it to be very helpful. And as I said earlier, I encourage all of you to continue to really partner with us and to continue to support this effort and to pray for us and to be with us. We thank you so much for this. Subscribe at our face uh, at uh, our YouTube channel, Sierra uh, International. I encourage you to become a Patreon patron. And may the Lord also bless your efforts and anything you give towards this ministry will be used to continue these efforts and carry this message globally. So we thank you and we hope that you found this particular series to be helpful. And we ask you to stay tuned for the next challenging series that will deal with the Quran. Until we meet again, have a blessed Saturday. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.